Let me invite you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 18, and allow me to read this. And again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability, for time and chance overtake them all. Moreover, man does not know his time, like fish caught in a treacherous net, and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. Also this I saw to see as wisdom under the sun, and it impressed me. There was a small city with few men in it, and a great king came to it, surrounded it, and constructed large seeds work against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of a poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. The words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of rulers among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As we look at this, we're seeing Solomon continue to examine the world around him, and he sees basically life being lived under the sun, which means by man's will and desire instead of uh, under God's leadership. And so again, he's looking under the sun at man living by his own means, and he's looking at kind of the oddities of life. You would think that the fastest man would win the race. You would think that the strongest warrior would win the battle. You would think that uh, the wisest man would have the greatest wealth and on and on. So we look at this and what we're seeing is that there is no guarantee of success, you know, just because of your abilities. So if you remember the last number of times that we met, I know we missed, you know, last week, uh, we basically have, Solomon's basically been focusing on death, you know, that death is coming, that death is unavoidable. Uh, it also says that death is unpredictable. When, when will death come? But now he's basically saying, you know, there's a lot of unpredictableness about life. So we cannot absolutely know the outcome of life. And so it would be one thing if achieving one thing would always result in a guarantee. But life is not a guarantee. Uh, there are some people in our world that are very meticulous. They want to basically program every second of the day. You know, they, they have their calendar, they have it, not only just the day, but the hours and even the minutes of what they're going to be doing each and every part of that. And the problem is, if something doesn't happen the way they want to, it throws a, a snag in their day and they have to readjust. But, you know, there's some people that, you know, live by, by that means. They, they want everything in order. But at the same time, there are people that they just take things as they come. And so we see a lot of what's going on as being, you know, who's in control of life? Am I in control of my life? To a, to a certain extent, we say that we are because we can choose what we're going to do each and every minute of the day. I can choose you know, what I'm having for lunch. I can choose you know, what time I go to bed. I can choose a lot of different things. But when it comes down to what actually happens to us, on a daily basis, we have no guarantee of what's going to take place or what's not going to take place. We can eat healthy and think, well, I won't have to go to the doctor, I won't be in the hospital, but um, 
Susan has a, a cousin that uh, chimed in on New Year's Day. She was in the emergency room with her gallbladder or something like that. And, you know, she wasn't planning on being in the emergency room with gallbladder that day. Didn't have any clue. So we never know what might happen uh, on any given basis. So raw talent or ability is no guarantee of success. And so we look at verse 11. It says, our abilities are no guarantee of success. Uh, just because you're fast doesn't mean that you're going to guarantee to win the race. There's a lot of strategies in races, not only in strategies, but endurance. You may be fast off the line, but if it's a long race, you may give out before the race is over with. Uh, you, you know, all these long distance races is more endurance and strategy than it is how fast you really are. So then he talks about, uh, and the battle is not to the warrior. You know, a, a great mighty warrior, you would think, would be a guarantee victor in a battle. But then you go back to, to David and Goliath, who won that battle. It wasn't the great mighty warrior, it was David, little B puny David. And, you know, the smartest, most gifted person may not always do the best job. Sometimes they're too smart for the job and they try to overanalyze everything instead of just say, oh, here's what I need to do and just do it. So sometimes a, a common person with common sense can do the job better than a, a brilliant person. And so we look and we see that regardless of one's ability, we can all fail miserably. So there are a lot of things, a lot of factors in play in life. And really what he comes down to is the last part of verse 11. For time and chance overtake them all. Now time and chance, you know, chance sometimes we think about in the lottery and things like that. You know, taking a chance on something. But this is really just living life with all the, the things that could happen, all the occurrences and events that could happen that we really have little or no control over. You know, sometimes God has us in the right place at the right time and good things happen to us. Sometimes God has us in the wrong place at the wrong time and bad things happen to us. Does that mean that God's mad at us and lets bad things happen to us? No, because you go over to James chapter 1, he says, count it all joy when you face these trials because it builds endurance, it builds patience, it builds faith. It helps you to strengthen your faith in the Lord. And so, you know, things happen, good and bad, for God's purpose, and we don't have total control over that. And so we look and we think, well, if it's by chance, then it's really, how lucky am I? Now, my birthday is October the 13th. Every now and then it falls on a Friday. You know, Friday the 13th, by most people, is an unlucky day. Well, it wasn't even my birthday, but it was a Friday the 13th. Susan and I were engaged, and our wedding date was getting real close, and we had tried to get into an apartment that we could afford. And they had a waiting list. And we thought, well, surely we're further up the list. We're ready to get an apartment. So I stopped by and it happened to be on a Friday the 13th. And I asked the lady, where are we on your waiting list? She said, you're probably about fourth or fifth. And we're getting married in like in a month. And so I said, is there any way for us to move up that list? She said, I've been trying to call this guy three different times. I can't get him. Let me try him right now. And he didn't answer. She said, it's yours. And so I always said I have good luck on Friday the 13th. Yeah. But what I really know is that God is in control. It's not because it's a lucky day for me. 
God blessed me that day, and I know that. So I do not look at that as being luck or chance. It is just how God worked that day. So you know, a lucky charm or a lucky number really don't exist. People believe in things like that, but it really is all about God's providence. God is in control. So as Christians, we need to trust God with everything that he'll guide us and gives the wisdom we need no matter what we face and we leave the results in his hands. You know, we don't always come out the way we want to. Sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes death happens. Sometimes torture happens. Uh, there are many people in the uh, other parts of the world, the persecuted church, that go through unbelievable torture because of their faith. Is that right? Well... The, the power of their testimony of how they face that many times, oftentimes, raises more people up to believe that if they're willing to go through that kind of torture for what they believe, it must be true. Then we go to verse 2. It says, we cannot predict trouble. If we knew that something bad was going to happen, we'd do everything we could to avoid it, wouldn't we? Well, he basically uses two illustrations. Of <clears throat> we, you know... Fishing was not with a rod and reel like we do today. Fishing in those days and even in the New Testament was usually by net. You threw out a net and you trapped the fish. Well, fish don't know that somebody's up there about to throw a net over them to catch them. And so the fish are caught in a treacherous net and birds, uh, birds were a source of food. You know, they would set up very fine mesh uh, uh, snares or things like that to catch the birds. The birds would not see it. And there's even a parable in the scriptures that says, do you hang the, the net while the bird's looking at you? <laughs> no, you do it you know, while there's no birds around so that they will not know that there's a snare there. So he basically says, and the birds are trapped in the snare. And then he says, and so are the sons of men. They're ensnared in the evil times when it suddenly falls on them. So we can't predict trouble. We don't know when or where it's going to come from. So we understand that even when we are trapped, even when bad things happen to us, that God can get glory for it. Again, going back to James, when bad things happen, count it all joy. What is God wanting to get out of this? And we do have to ask ourselves, am I in this situation because God's using it as a growing experience for me? Or am I in this situation because I'm being disobedient to God? So we need to be willing to you know, examine our own hearts. If we're disobedient to God, then you know, there's a whole other reason why we're in the trap. So we need to understand that you know, if we're following God and being obedient to Him, then even when we are ensnared by evil times, God can see us through it. Then he goes into a kind of a parable, uh, verses 13 through 17. And he talks about uh, a small city and a great ruler and a poor wise man. He says, here's what I have seen under the sun, the wisdom of the sun, and it impressed me. There was a small city with few men in it, and a great king came to it, surrounded it, and, and constructed a large siege work against it. A siege work is basically they start filling in dirt up against the wall of the city, and they just keep mounting it up till it becomes a ramp where the uh, army can just walk up the ramp and over the walls. So they were building a siege work against it. 
But there was a found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that wise man. So I say, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. Now, let's kind of stop there. There's two different ways that this passage is interpreted. One is that the poor man delivered the city. The other is that the poor man could have delivered the city. And the reason why that one may be more correct is if you look at the end of verse 16, it says, and his words are not heeded. So it was like he shared the plan that could, could bring them victory, but his words were not heeded. And so that the city was not saved. It could have been saved. Either way you look at it, basically, you look and we see this fool for a king. He's a great mighty man. He had the, the, the army to, to do all that he wanted to do. But basically, he surrounds this city and obviously he has greater forces. It should be a sure thing, but let's go with the first interpretation that a poor wise man said, here's what we need to do, and he delivers the city from this king. And if he does that, what happens next? Well, the people don't give him any credit. They don't, they don't put him on a parade and ride him down Main Street. Uh, says they don't even remember him. Now, you would think that it, no matter who this is, no matter what status he is, if he saved the city from an uh, invading king, they would remember him. So that kind of leads me to believe that they heard this poor wise man, but they did not heed his words, and so he was not remembered because there was no victory to remember. And the problem is, what happens most of the time in our lives today. You have loud-mouthed people who are fools, who are always shouting what they think is right, but the humble people who have the wisdom of God are not loud, they're not boisterous, and they just simply share the truth of God. And who do the people listen to? Typically, whoever's shouting the loudest, whoever has the microphone or the bullhorn, or whoever has the audience around them of people like-minded, that's usually who our world under the sun is listening to. And they're not listening to the simple person who has the wisdom of God sharing the truth. And that's where our world is today. Not just the United States, but our world as a whole. Our world is very liberal-minded. Our world does not know God. Our world is foolish, but they are following the voices of other fools because they're the ones who are primarily on all the talk shows and television shows and the ones who are out protesting and doing all the ways to gain attention, yet the ones who had the wisdom of God have a humble spirit and they simply just share the truth and let people choose for themselves whether or not they will accept it. And so that's really the picture here. We have the fools in our world today who have the stage, they are well-known, they're the mighty, they're the powerful, they have the voice of the people. Yet, here's what it says. Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. And that's a shame. We are in a world situation today where people just are not willing to listen to reason. They're not willing to listen to a godly person. 
So we see um, verse 17. The words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of rulers among fools. Now Solomon is realizing. He knows the truth. He's been examining everything under the sun. He's seen the, the futility of mankind. He's seen the folly of man's thinking. He's seen the, the vanity of life live that way. And he's coming to that conclusion. It is better that a wise man who is poor, who speaks quietly, who speaks humbly, that his words are better than the shouting of a ruler who's a fool. But unfortunately, he's also understanding the large majority are listening to the loudmouth fool instead of the wise man in his quiet voice. And that's pretty much where we are today. You have pastors like myself who simply share the word of God. Not many people want to listen to it. They want to hear the loudmouths who are always out protesting and shouting. And that's why our world today is in such a mess. Because we've, as a world, have followed the loudmouth fool instead of the humble, quiet, wise person. Then he ends with verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. There are multitudes of illustrations of this throughout the Word of God. The very first one, Adam. Adam and Eve, they sin. One man's sin caused havoc for all mankind. Then another really good example, when Joshua led the Israelites into the Promised Land, the very first place they came to was Jericho. God told them to march around it and blow their trumpets and everything, and the walls came tumbling down. God basically brought the victory. Improbable victory, but it was a victory. Then the Israelite army has great confidence. The next group is a smaller city, Ai. And so they go up against it with all this confidence, this will be a piece of cake, and yet they were routed. And God showed them why. One man, one man, his name was Achan. He, all the Israelites were commanded, whatever spoils are there, bring them to the, to the, temp, to the tabernacle. Bring them to the altar and give them there. But he kept some for himself. He kept some of the valuables for himself. And when it was found out, God said, because of one man, Achan, the whole army was defeated. One man. God was serious about obedience at that day. So this one man brought defeat to the entire army. David, a man after God's own heart, chose to go against God's will, and he ordered a census of the, all the people. Well, there probably had already been other senses, but he was kind of showing his clout. He wanted to see how many people, how many people he could have for his army. And usually when you did a census, it was also a time for raising taxes. And so against God's will, he did a census. And God caused trouble on the Israelite people. So God demands obedience. There are times when God's expectations of total Obedience brings severe punishment when it's not obeyed. One sinner can destroy much good. Well, let's put this in modern times. 
a business works real hard to build up a good reputation. For decades, people flock to them because they know that they're going to be treated right, they're, they're going to be given a good price for a good service. And yet one person, an employee, mistreats somebody, cheats them out of something, gives them a bad deal. Well, that person that gets the bad deal is going to go home and tell all of their friends. And now that one business that had worked decades to earn a good reputation now has a bad reputation because of one person. Well, let's put this in a spiritual way. One hypocrite in the church can destroy the reputation of the whole church. I'm not going to go to that church. Do you know what they did? Well, they said they're the Christians, but they did. It only takes one. And so that's really the, what, what uh, Solomon is saying. He's saying, you know, our world is listening to the loud and boisterous fools, but they're not listening to the wisdom of a wise man. And strength is no guarantee of success. Many times it's the humble, like David, who wins the battle. And it only takes one sinner to destroy much good. And that's really where we are. So this passage may be somewhat brief in nature, but uh, teaches us we cannot rely on our own abilities or our own opportunities to guarantee, to guarantee success. Uh, good and bad will come our ways. We don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or the days to come. If we're following God and truly being surrendered to his will, then when bad things come, we need to look at it as an opportunity to grow in our faith instead of fuss at God for not doing things better for us. Otherwise, we need to examine our hearts. Am I, something bad happened to me because of my own bad choices? So we must trust the Lord to guide us and grant us the wisdom to know the path to follow. And even when we do face oppositions that are going to happen in life, we need to trust that God will be the strength that we need and show us the way to faith Him even more during the hardships. And we must also understand that uh, each one of us may have the ability to do things, but we can't always rely on our ability. We need to trust God. And again, it only takes one disobedient person to harm the reputation of the whole. We do need to listen to the words of wisdom. They're not the popular words in our world today. Um, you know, Christians, strong Christians, you know, want to hear the Word of God. You know, they'll come to church here. They'll listen to various pastors on television. They have their own favorite podcasts and all that kind of stuff. They want to hear words of wisdom. But that's the exception to the rule. The majority of our world hears the fools because they're the loudest and they have the greatest platforms. So we need to learn how to tune out the false messages that bombard us each day and tune our hearts and our minds to hear from God. And why? Because he's the only source of true wisdom. I don't have true wisdom. Any wisdom I have comes from God. And we look and we see that as we pray and seek his face, that he'll speak his truths to our hearts, guide us in the right paths. And even though we are still going to face hardships, we know that the Bible clearly teaches that he will be with us, he will guide us, and show us the way. And even if the end result is not what we want it to be, it will be God's purpose regardless. Uh, I've shared many times before that I do a 
daily devotion is standing strong through the storm, and it's about the persecuted church. And, you know, it's honest. You know, sometimes they give the glory stories of somebody who's miraculously saved out of a terrible situation. But many times it talks about that this person faces tremendous torture and even is killed, executed for their faith. And you always wonder, well, why does God miraculously save somebody out of that situation and yet on other occasions allow somebody to be executed? The whole purpose is for God's will to be done. Sometimes the miraculous escape or uh, getting out of the problem is a testimony of what God can do. But sometimes the faith of one who's willing to die for their faith, be executed, is a powerful testimony for others who are wondering, is that that they're teaching, is it true? If they're willing to die for it, there must be something to it. And so that's why I think some people go through the tortures and the trials and they, it doesn't end the way we want it to. And others, we see miraculous uh, uh, deliverance. God is in control. He has providence over all things. And if we trust in him, then the end result is we his instead of ours. Let's close with time of prayer. Lord, open our hearts to these truths. Help us to understand that, Lord, no matter how much we try to be in control of our lives, Lord, we're really not in control. Lord, we can dictate certain things. We can make choices. But ultimately, we, our lives are in your hands. And Lord, we trust that no matter what takes place, that it's taking place for a reason. And Lord, that as long as we're being obedient to you, that you're going to get glory for it. Lord, many times we, we rejoice in the good things that are happening and we give you praise for it. Lord, sometimes we struggle to give you the praise and uh, glory when we're struggling, when things are not going the way we want them to. Lord, help us to find true joy, even when we do face the various trials, to know that there's a purpose for it. Many times it's for our own good to grow us in our faith, to help us to be more perseverant, to be more patient. So Lord, help us to understand that there's always a purpose for everything that we face. Even if it comes to torture and even death, Lord, there's a reason. And Lord, the whole purpose is for your honor and glory to be seen. So Lord, help us to listen to the humble, wise voice that's speaking from your heart and to tune out the loud, boisterous fools that we hear so much in our media today and on television and through the world. Lord, guide us. Help us to hear from you and to follow you in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.